Kim Ming. And this is Subal. Welcome back to another episode in our skin series of the Safe App Podcast. Our Safe App Podcast is where we discuss all things relating to medical aesthetics. Today we are joined by our colleague Dr. Hiba Injibar. She is a consultant dermatologist working both in the NHS and also in the private sector. Welcome Dr. Injibar to our podcast. Thank you very much for spending some time to record this. Are you just able to quickly give us a quick introduction of yourself? Yes, hi. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. I am a consultant dermatologist. I've been practicing dermatology for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. I specialize in medical dermatology as, the, as well as surgical dermatology and uh, laser treatments, laser dermatology, as well as the aesthetic and cosmetic dermatology. I founded the Dermasurge Clinic on Harley Street a few years ago, and I am the lead consultant as well as the director of the clinic. Oh, wow. And, you know, I'm ha- happy to answer your questions. You're a very busy lady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think so. I just need a break now, so I'm waiting for holiday. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background qualifications. So I did my medical degree and medical training at the American University in Beirut. And uh, later on, I went into residency training program in dermatology, which was very uh, extensive. And that lasted for three years. And then I uh, graduated in 2000. I also did a year of training in pediatrics during that time. Mm -hmm. And... I also, a few years ago, uh, recently uh, did a one year of uh, APG cert in allergy at Imperial College here in London. I'm a member of many organizations, both uh, local in the UK and international dermatology organizations, like Mm -hmm. the American Academy of Dermatology, the European Academy of uh, dermatology as well as quite uh, a few others. Well, that's very impressive. We're really interested in understanding more about how you then subsequently got into aesthetics. Can you tell us more about that? So when I was doing my uh, dermatology residency training program that was in the late 90s, aesthetics was starting to be introduced into the uh, training program. So Although it was 99% medical dermatology and pathology and surgery and cancers, etc. But we did get a bit of training, not a bit, I mean, quite a a good uh, amount of training on lasers. And we had lasers in the department. So we were doing like a few switched lasers for uh, pigmentation. We had a vascular laser and we were treating port wine stains, etc. We learned techniques like subcision of scarring, dermabrasion, uh, like the actual dermabrasion for treating acne scars. We learned uh, Botox. We learned a lot about safety. So pretty much it wasn't me of starting this new. It's been part of and parcel of my training to start with. And then as soon as I started practicing mm-hmm. as a consultant, when yeah. I, you know, in the year 2000, 2001, I made it a point to, you know, improve and sharpen my skills in aesthetics while maintaining my medical dermatology practice. So it was a combination of practicing as medical dermatology and aesthetics. And I like that and I've maintained that all through my practice. So even now and even in the private practice, 
although a lot of dermatologists have just shifted mostly to doing aesthetics, I don't like to just abandon the fact yeah. that I am a dermatologist to start with. Yeah. So I see adults and children and, and I do medical dermatology and I still uh, do NHS and I love my aesthetics. So I've never, it's like, you know, they're twins. They yeah. go together. Yeah. Yeah. And That's as very a dermatologist, good. we know most about the skin. So yeah. it uh, goes without saying that we would be more suited to practice aesthetics as well. Yeah, and I think the people don't understand that ethics go hand in hand with dermatology because you see quite a lot of dermatology problems like acne, for example, which is going to be our topic for today, which kind of need medical aesthetics to treat. So should we start with what exactly is acne? Yeah, absolutely. So acne is a disease. It's a disease that affects people. It affects women and men. It affects children, teenagers and adults. And it's nothing to be taken lightly because it's there. when it's there, when it happens, it's kind of there to stay and it needs a proper treatment. The main reasons is that it can scar both psychologically and physically. And the scars can be quite severe and quite permanent. Yeah. So I would really like to focus on the fact that acne is not just spots, and acne is not something that, you know, will go away by stopping uh, things or uh, just changing the lifestyle. It is like any other disease. It is a disease that needs proper diagnosis and proper treatment. Yeah. So for our viewers out there, we can just simplify acne and what exactly it is. Yeah. So acne manifests clinically on the face, also occurs on the chest, upper chest, back, and shoulders. Yeah. So these are the only areas where acne happens. Mm -hmm. It starts off with blackheads and whiteheads, what we call medically as open and closed comedones. Yeah. And these are the precursor lesions for acne. Yeah. So patients can present with only blackheads and whiteheads, but they still have acne. Mm. And these blackheads and whiteheads are due to the occlusion of the pores and the accumulation of oils that are secreted by the skin, under the skin, producing yeah. those bumps which are called blackheads and whiteheads. Mm. Blackheads are basically opened, but the, you can see the plug, that's why you see it as black, and whiteheads are under the skin, they're closed, we call them closed comedones. Yeah. The main driving factor for this are hormones, so hormones which surge during puberty, Mm -hmm. uh, cause a blocking of the pores and excessive oily secretions and this starts the acne and later on there would be inflammation and bacteria coming in so those uh, whiteheads will flare up and become red bumpy sometimes painful yeah. pimples and they can accumulate pus and become pustules so all of this is a combination of uh, what we call acne yeah. and it is associated with oily mm -hmm. skin so patients with acne always have oily skin yeah okay and i frequently when talking to patients going through the consultation and they tell me well yeah but my skin feels dry and i say if you have even a few spots consider your face as oily and right. treat it as oily so oily uh, secretions and excessive 
oily uh, gland function is part and parcel of acne. Oh. Then it can progress further to becoming cystic and nodular, and but these are all stages. Yeah, and this is yeah. what what basically it is. So I have a question because you mentioned at puberty when the hormone changes and your skin becomes more oily, you're more prone to getting acne. What about people who develop acne later in life in their adulthood? So 80% of teenagers going through puberty will develop some form of acne. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's very mild, sometimes it's very severe. There's a long spectrum, but 80% of teenagers passing through puberty will experience acne, and this is mostly due to their hormones. Mm. Once it starts, even if their hormones uh, normalize, it can persist with them uh, up until adulthood. So although we say it is hormonally mediated, but the link is not always there. So in adults, if acne happens in adults, it could either be a continuation from acne starting as a teenager, Or it could be starting when they are adults, and sometimes we cannot. Sometimes we can find a hormonal problem, especially in women, mm. and sometimes we can't. So you can still get acne. It's more of the, you know, the hormones don't have to be high. You don't always have to have polycystic right. ovaries. Right. It's actually the minority. Yeah. It's more the effect of the hormones on the sebaceous glands and on the skin rather than their level. So we don't really routinely measure hormonal uh, levels unless in adult women we suspect a polycystic ovary. If they're having facial hairs, if they're having irregular periods, then yes, maybe they have polycystic ovary. But the big majority of women, adult women with acne, don't necessarily have a hormonal problem. And another reason to have it when you're an adult in women could be uh, cosmetically induced, we call it acne cosmetica. So, using products which clog the pores, mm-hmm. using heavy makeup, using really greasy products yeah. can just give you acne without any hormonal effect. Right. So it's multifactorial, and sometimes, most of the times, we cannot really pinpoint one reason right. why you're having right. acne. It's interesting because I didn't know that the level of your hormones does not correlate with the amount of acne that you have. I always assume that you must have a higher hormone level to be having more breakouts. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And That's we interesting don't really routinely yeah. measure the hormones because it's not going to impact the treatment and it's just an extra cost. So we don't really run any hormonal treatments unless we suspect something. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I guess like nowadays it's very common that everyone's talking about mask me, <laughs> acne because yes. of wearing the mask. Is it, it's obviously not because of the hormones then, is it mostly because the pores are more clogged than normal? What exactly is mask me? Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing a lot uh, of it and it's, yeah, true. It's not related to the fact that the hormones are more there. It's the occlusion and mm-hmm. the uh, sweating under the mask and uh, the lack of ventilation of the skin, which also leads to the overgrowth of uh, bacteria. So there is a special, specific bacteria that, you know, causes or exacerbates acne. It's not, not your normal bacteria. Yeah. So this is not folliculitis, whereby you have staph bacteria or uh, strep causing the infection. It is the propionobacterium acnes, which is a commensal. We have that on our skin, but of course the occlusion and the heat and the sweating will 
change the uh, flora in the skin will lead to overproduction as well as uh, sebaceous secretions and occlusion can cause acne. Yeah. So we sometimes see acne or folliculitis even, not necessarily acne, with just occlusion. Okay. So I am seeing it more frequently. Yeah. I've actually just also written a blog about it if you if it's on my website as well. And some tricks to help patients who have mask acne yeah. is change your mask frequently. Use yeah. a disposable one. Yeah. Don't use uh, a thick uh, one and definitely don't use it more than one day at a time. Yeah. Even if you're using a cloth one or a silk one, wash it daily and use a new one. Yeah. If you're working for very long hours a day like us and you have to wear the mask all the day, yeah. try to take short breaks and wash your face uh, with uh, an acne cleanser mm -hmm. and take short breaks like try to remove it for five ten minutes at a time get get your skin to to breathe yeah uh, before you put it back yeah and you use always oil-free uh, products you don't put greasy moisturizers under your mask that would make it worse yeah okay. yeah definitely so i guess it's great that we're coming to that so what can we do at home to treat our acne so if you have acne, if patients have acne, they can't really treat it at home. It needs uh, at least, at least if it's mild acne, at least go to the, if you don't want to see your GP yet, go to the pharmacy and at least get some benzoyl peroxide and some a good acne wash. You can't really treat it beyond that at home. But there are things that you can do to at least prevent worsening it. Yeah. So... Basically, keep your hands off your face. Mm -hmm. Don't try to squeeze it because you might leave a scar. Yeah, I have that issue all the time. <laughs> yeah, keep your hands off your face. Don't do things that like scrubbing uh, or exfoliating too much or washing too much because that might worsen your, your acne. Yeah. So how often uh, would you recommend washing your face and how often would you recommend scrubbing slash exfoliating? So week. washing your face with a good acne wash twice yeah. a day maximum. Mm -hmm. Twice a day is enough. Yeah. Especially if you're undergoing treatment because the treatment itself will dry your skin and you don't want to add more dryness by excessively washing. So if you excessively wash your face, mm -hmm. you're only going to, you're not going to get rid of your acne. It's not about cleanliness. It's not about being uh, having a dirty skin. So twice a day is enough. Yeah. Exfoliating or scrubbing maybe once a week is right. enough. Oh, okay. Right. You and don't need more than that. Because some right. people like exfoliate, they double exfoliate where they use a chemical and then they use a physical exfoliator. What yeah. are your thoughts about that? It's only going to irritate the acne. You oh. don't need it. And uh, scrubbing physically on the skin will uh, make the skin believe that something is really damaging it or there's kind of injury. Mm -hmm. And it will only react by becoming red and inflamed. And this inflammation will make the acne worse. Right. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and you also mentioned a few times about an acne face wash. What exactly do you mean by that? Is there a specific ingredient that we should be looking out for when we're buying our face wash? So there are multiple brands that are available in all pharmacies and they're readily available. There's no specific ingredient, but the formulation is made uh, with products that will uh, remove any excess oil. 
-hmm. There are a few multiple uh, products in the pharmacy. So there's like Neutrogena, Eucerin, Aven. They all say washed for acne prone skin. And they're usually greenish, bluish liquids. Mm -hmm. And they're more like soap. So any one of those would be suitable for washing the face. Right. And you mentioned earlier about like oil-based products. You said not to use the oil-based products? And why? Don't use them. Yeah, so the same brands, whether uh, Cetaphil or Neutrogena or Avin or Roche-Posay, all of these, Eucerin, they all have acne ranges, which range from a face wash to a moisturizer that is oil-free for, it says, it would say on it, wood clock pores for acne-prone skin, oil-free moisturizer, and you can also even pick your oil-free sunscreen. Right. Says, uh, so the, the key word is oil free. Right. But Even so, choosing a makeup, concealer, or a foundation, go for products that say oil free, won't clog pores. Right. Okay. Because with things like foundation and concealer, I think regardless of whether that's oil free or not, am I right in saying that they are going to clog your pores anyway? Because of the consistency of the product that you're putting on your face? That is why I always advise uh, patients with acne, treat your acne, don't hide it on, with, uh, with layers of foundation. So if you need to use foundation while you're undergoing the treatment, if you have an occasion or something, that's fine. Use these oil-free products, oil-free foundation. It won't really clog if you use it occasionally. No, because it's formulated in a way that it won't clog the pores and it's oil-free. Right. But putting it on and taking it off every single day, that process in itself will irritate the skin and it's better to treat it and not hide it. So once you have clear skin, that's my motto in treating everything, Mm -hmm. pigmentation, acne, uh, rosacea, anything. You can treat your skin so you don't really need to use makeup unless you really need to, not just to hide. Sometimes I think that's easy for us to say, but obviously if you're treating like a teenager or like a young adult who are suffering from, you know, moderate to severe acne, obviously their concern is more their appearance and it could have a psychological impact. So I think sometimes with the best intention, even though we advise not to, sometimes it's a bit difficult. So do you have any advice for some of our listeners out there who might be suffering from you know, a similar problem? Yeah, that is why I said if you really need to use it to cover it until you get it treated, use an oil-free product. But yeah. by all means, try to see someone and get a proper treatment mm-hmm. so then you would reduce it. I know psychology, that's why I started by saying that acne can yeah. have severe psychological disturbances especially in teenagers and especially in women and yeah the initial consultation when i'm talking to patients with acne a lot of it is counseling and trying to convince them that you know if they use the treatment properly we will get rid of it it's nothing that is uh, impossible to treat Mm. and it's part of the counseling to try to convince them to reduce their use of makeup until they can get to the stage where they don't need it. So it's all part and parcel of counseling uh, these patients. And a lot of them come in tears to start with because they are really depressed. A lot of my patients, 
say they're not leaving the house and then they start crying so yeah so the the initial consultation takes a lot of time Mm. yeah i think that's why it's really good that someone goes to a medical professional because acne is very common you know you have to go to a dermatologist or to a doctor to start off because that counseling is very important yeah what are the common misconceptions that people have of acne so the first one is what we talked about already that if i clean my face if i scrub it it will go away yeah Yeah. (laughs) the second misconception is that some patients think that if they change their diet or they avoid certain foods the acne will go away and the answer again is no this is not a food allergy. Only food allergy will disappear if you stop the food. Yeah. Acne yeah. is not food allergy. And few people notice that chocolate or dairy make it worse. But this doesn't mean that if they stop chocolate or dairy, the acne will disappear. It still needs treatment. Right. That's what my mom used to say all the time. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's a misconception. That's why yeah. it was misconception. And another misconception is that, you know, if I'm 16 or 15 or 14 and I have acne, by the time I'm an adult, I'm an 18, it will go away. And this is a big misconception is because it might not disappear and yeah. it doesn't, it can continue into your 20s and even into your 30s mm-hmm. and it has to be treated because by the time you're 18 or 19, it might have left scars already. So yeah. it needs to be treated regardless when it starts. And one other misconception is that they think, or maybe they are misguided during the consultation, that unless we're talking about Roaccutane, which cures the acne, yeah, all the other treatments need maintenance to maintain the results. So if you've used, if you've been prescribed some antibiotics and prescription creams, and you've used them for a few months and you're starting to run out and your acne is clear, don't stop them. Go back to your doctor or your GP or whoever prescribed them and get some more or ask about maintenance treatment. Because Mm. if you stop everything, few weeks later, a few months later, you go back to square one because yeah. we haven't cured the acne. We need maintenance treatment. So what so is the... I always tell my patients to tape. I taper them gradually. And once they're clear, I keep them on maintenance treatment. Right. And how, how long do they tend to stay on the maintenance treatment for? We can kind of to play it by ear. Sometimes a few years, sometimes acne goes into cycles anyways. Yeah. So they come here, they get the treatment. A few months later, we they're clear. Mm-hmm. I tell them, you know what, let's stop this, keep doing this, taper it to twice a week or three times a week, keep using your face wash and avoiding the triggers. And, you know, they keep on doing that for, and usually it's a retinoid, which keeps the acne under control, topical retinoids. Maybe a few months later, they either have some stress going on in their life or their hormones change, or for some reason, it starts flaring up again. So we go back to maybe square one or maybe something different. And if not, they just keep using it twice a week for maintenance uh, uh, until they really notice that, you know, maybe taper it once a week and then I'm fine. Right. 
So I have another question because you brought up retinol. So I understand that a lot of people who read like beauty blogs and things like that would say that, you know, using a retinol would be good for acne. What are your thoughts about that? And also retinol versus like, you know, salicylic acid. In acne, my practice and the uh, good medical evidence is that a combination treatment is always better than a mono treatment for acne. Yeah. Right. I always combine. So not retinol specifically, but retinoin, which is a derivative of retinol, is better for acne. Retinol, we use it more for anti-aging. Right. But they're all derivatives of uh, vitamin A. Mm -hmm. And I always, always combine. So I use uh, retinoin in combination with probably salicylic acid, benzoyl peroxide. And then initially, if it's uh, really active, and inflamed, I'll give them for a few weeks oral antibiotics, and then I shift them to topical erythromycin or ketamycin topical antibiotics. So a combination treatment works better for acne than a single treatment. Right. But when we reach the final stages of maintenance, when they're really clear mm. and we just need to maintain the results, I tend to maintain them on uh, retinoids, retinoin, uh, sure. which gives a good maintenance because it keeps your oil glands, sebaceous glands under control, keeps the uh, pores open and prevents this clogging. So monotherapy with maintenance is good. Initially, I always like to combine. Right, right. And so because we've discussed mainly predominantly on active scarring, what sort of medical aesthetic treatments are available out there that you recommend to your patients with active acne? Active acne, there are a few things that I do. I always, you know, like I said, counseling, good skin care, medications, oral or topical or sometimes severe acne or acutane. But I help them with a few things. So it, sometimes I might do a salicylic acid appeal not solo, but in combination with the treatments to help active acne and blackheads. I do uh, what we call acne surgery, which is basically similar to a medical facial. If they have a lot of uh, whiteheads, which I talked about initially as being closed comedones, so uh, we would open them up and squeeze the secretions, the sebaceous secretions out. And I always tell them that this will not substitute your treatment. This is me helping you if you have an event or if you really want a fast result. Uh, we can do lasers. Uh, sometimes IPL might help really inflamed acne or in patients who want a faster result. Mm -hmm. And if they have post-acne redness, so sometimes it's not scars, it's just the acne has resolved. Yeah. But it leaves some red marks. So again, do some IPL treatments to, to help that. So all of these are supplementary to the treatment, mm. uh, not not on their own. Right. So that's for treating active acne. Awesome. We've almost come to the end of the podcast. Is there anything else you would like to tell our viewers or listeners who are having problems with acne? Any one word advice? Not quite one yes. word. <laughs> well, not one word as in one sentence. <laughs> if you have a one tip, personal tip, what would you tell yeah. our listeners? Seek medical advice. Seek a specialist. Seek uh, someone who's experienced in acne because you really don't need to live with it. Yeah. There is active, effective treatment. 
and there is effective way to clear up your acne, you don't really to hide, need to hide at home or hide be, you know, behind layers of makeup. And even if you have scars, we can talk about this at a later stage, we can still treat it and improve your scars. So don't think that, you know, if you've tried a few over-the-counter yeah. things that it's hopeless. No, it's Basically, not. they don't have to suffer alone. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. That's great. <laughs> they shouldn't they shouldn't suffer alone. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. This is really fun. I think it's really interesting because I'm always into education, yeah. educating the public, mm -hmm. you know. Us as doctors, we have so many good channels for our own education, yeah. right? We go to meetings, we read journals, mm -hmm. we uh, we have books, we have everything for our knowledge, but the public need awareness. And I'm all into, you know, educating and teaching the people and making them understand their disease, regardless what the disease is. So I think this is really nice because you're um, helping people get aware about all yeah. of these things and yeah. safety, 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 because aesthetics is unregulated, unfortunately, and we're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of complications yeah. so take you know safe treatments by qualified doctors great that's great awesome. thank you so much thank you, thank you.